1: Developing your capacity to feel discomfort, to overcome your resistance and stay with negative feelings, is one of the most important steps on a spiritual path. Your goal here is not to feel comfortable. The lesson is, paradoxically, to become comfortable with feeling discomfort. Meeting your emotions with openness, love, and compassion can often allow them to resolve on their own. Hold them lovingly without a secret desire for them to leave, and they leave on their own. Tell them to leave, and they hide, only to return later like an unwanted houseguest or pesky sibling. Patrick Valeria interviews Patrick Paul Garlinger, the author of Endless Awakening Time, Paradox, and the Path to Enlightenment. Patrick Paul Garlinger is an award winning author. Who experienced a profound spiritual awakening over a decade ago when he began to meet numerous spiritual leaders and experience higher states of consciousness. He writes to help humanity transcend the way we think about the nature of reality and the meaning of life. His first work, When Thought Turns to Light, is a primer on spiritual transformation that won the 2016 Living Now Spirit Award. That same year, his kundalini awakened accelerating his spiritual evolution, and he downloaded a complete trilogy of channeled works. The first volume, Seeds of Light, Channeled Transmissions on the Christ Consciousness, was awarded the 2018 Living Now Silver Medal for Metaphysics. The second volume, Bending Time, the Power to Live in the Now, on how consciousness is structured around time, was released in 2018. The third volume of the trilogy, A World Without Identity, The Sacred Task of Uniting Humanity, on the relationship between spirituality and social change, received the 2020 Living Now Silver Medal for World Peace. His newest book is Endless Awakening, Time Paradox and the Path to Enlightenment. Reinbeck, Red Elixir, 2022. Meet Patrick at patrickpaulgarlinger.com. Here's the interview with Patrick Paul Garlinger.
0: onwards, own words. Who is Patrick Paul Garlinger?
2: To answer that question, I'd like to start with a story that happened to me at some point in my life, where I was walking out in the street, taking in the sights, and I had a moment where I asked, like, where is Patrick? And it was nowhere and everywhere. And I just had a moment, one of those moments, and I just started laughing. And it was the almost absurdity of the question that is still such a poignant question that we're all asking ourselves. Who are we? And it was everything and nothing. And so in, in that simple moment, you know, there's the Patrick who has a history, who was born in a particular place, and has a family uh, family lineage, karmic history, became a professor of Spanish, and then became a lawyer, and then became a writer, and became an intuitive, and somebody who's asking the question, who am I? And in a way, every time you answer the question, it really is all... It's it's everything. I'm, I'm the consciousness that's witnessing whatever I'm witnessing from moment to moment. And I'm nowhere. It's constantly being formed. Who am I? Who will I be? I have tendencies. I have characteristics. In a way, it's kind of the magic of the fact that there is no real answer to the question. And, and you could have these moments of letting go and sort of saying, I don't know. Or really having a really solid sense of self, having values and being like, this these are what matter to me, and moving between those two positions.
0: So earlier, when you said laughter, when you asked that question and then the answer came and it was realized in that moment, then you left. So would you say that that laughter is the release of limitations, of the sense of limitation?
2: Yes, it, it, at that moment, that laughter felt like just a complete release. and kind of there was something comical about the question of even asking it. and And that laughter was a kind of joyous clarity when you truly inhabiting paradox there is no paradox mm, that's the right. wonderful thing it is yes here, yes right? so it is moving between these things of like i can be healing and whole all at once and i stop when you inhabit that it, it when you and you and you really embrace paradox is that you're in a space where the the suppositions that you had no longer hold which is I have to be one or the other of these. The the, the logical mind says, well, you can't be healing or whole. You can't be only in the present and all time exists simultaneously. Those seem logically incoherent. And that yet there is another place from which it's the paradox. You're not even trying to resolve it the way we normally do, which is to find an answer that says one side was wrong right? That one side drops out. It's that you hold it all. And you're like, and it's so clear.
0: Right. Then when we embrace all paradoxes, then there's no paradox. I love the way you said that too. That's very clear to me, (laughs) indirect. Right. What is enlightenment to you, Patrick? What's the idea concept of enlightenment?
2: The longer I'm on the path, it's similar to the question, who am I? I don't know anymore i used to have a belief you know an idea certainly at the beginning of my journey you know that enlightenment was a state of absolute and complete and total love and acceptance of everything at every single moment and with an understanding of how all of reality was working and that was filtered to me through you know, stories about the Buddha or about Christ. They were narratives, right? A story of a beginning and an after. The Buddha story is a story of conversion. Jesus Christ is a story of resurrection. There's a before and after. And afterwards, it's as if there was a state that was achieved that, from which you never fluctuated. It was stable. Yeah. I have not met, and I am not ever going to say that I am, enlightened in, if that is the definition of enlightenment. I have emotions. I have moments of separation. We're living in separation right now. We're able to have a conversation where we had to organize our lives to come into synchronicity at a particular place and time and... All of those things, I I don't know of anybody who doesn't still have aspects of their history, their personality, their past lives, karma, that they're still working through, or a moment where you go back to an old pattern. So by that definition, I'm not enlightened. If enlightenment is understanding that that is always the case and having the tools, to be with that and sort of say, oh, I've fallen out of separation. I've fallen back into separation. Oh, this is from my child. This is from a past life. Oh, this is a, a limiting belief. This is a thought process that has taken me out of a state of love. Maybe if that's our definition. But why it's a wonderful question that you asked because it was a word I actually really struggled with and putting it in the title. And in a way, I, I wanted to still honor it as something that is out there that we've moved away from. You know, other words are more popular now. Ascension, wholeness. You know, we're moving away. But there's a way that that word still casts kind of a a, a long shadow. There's It's still present. And towards the end of the book, I do kind of say, you know, if this is even what we mean by enlightenment. So in a way yeah, it's part of the process I think of of kind of letting go of this idea that there is a destination, that there's this state that I'm going to reach and there's going to be a moment in like my, my history where somebody could say, "Oh, that was your before and afterwards." you know, that was your moment under into the Bodhi tree or that was yeah, your moment yes. of resurrection. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Those are stories that mm-hmm. we hold on to.
0: From your perspective, what is the goal of the work we do? Because I do the same thing in a sense of um, passing on these messages and profound, deep messages of love, unconditional love, and uh, spirituality, healing. So, what's the goal of all that? Mm. if it's not enlightenment or meeting god
2: (laughs) yeah you know it's such a wonderful thing because uh, i love your question you know this is part of our to me the paradox of our of our language that we 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 still understand that there is a purpose a function and, and kind of when you frame it as a goal there's we're back in time, right? Like we're here now, and there's some moment when something yeah. gets realized, <laughs> yes. or or it has a, <laughs> a a function, an outcome that can be measured. And then at the same time, I say, but it, there is something about this work, right, that we feel a compulsion. And I'm speaking in a we right now because of what you just said. But there's some. Way in which there's something that wants to move through you and express itself. It's from moment to moment. Am I expressing this, what life wants to express through me? And I could describe that as a higher self or a soul. This energy, when you know you feel most alive, you feel most true to yourself, which is again, Back to that sensible, well, then who am I? If anything but the expression of this and learning from moment to moment where I am not expressing it. And in that sense, learning. Like, oh, I just had a moment where I didn't, or this wants to come through. What 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 part of me is resisting that? What part of me isn't committed to it? And ultimately to realize that we are really inseparable from the divine, from God, whatever that word might mean to you. Mm. And then the question that I used to ask was, okay,
0: if um, we cannot separate ourselves from the divine, why do we feel separated? <laughs> why does it have to be? Why that feeling needs to exist, come into existence as well? Uh, and if it doesn't exist why it's part of the dream, it, even if this is just uh, appearance, it's a dream, mm-hmm. why it has to be there? And that's an, an interesting question because then the answer is coming from duality in the first place. <laughs> so if I ask the questions because I'm coming from that perspective. So at some point, we just find ourselves with the answer, not the question. Mm-hmm. So I have the answer, but not the question right anymore. It's just I lost the question. <laughs> But um, from your perspective, where you are now, Patrick, do you come from that perspective as well of non-dual, where there's no separation really, there's no time and space? And this is a dream, and there's no reason for the dream to be or not be, because consciousness is free, awareness, pure awareness is completely free. So you mm-hmm. can be aware of anything it wants to, and chose this for some reason. You could choose seeing nothing, blank, black, but it's you instead. I'd love to hear your comments on that.
2: Yeah, so I do adhere to the belief, based on my experiences and what I've received, um, that you know, I'm inseparable. And I've had moments of that experience of non-separation where I fell out of time and fell out of space. And I was everything that I was experiencing, that there really was not a separate self. And then I've come back to that separate self, which we experience. And as you say, why do we have separation? You know, why do we have the dream? So that we can come to know these two states. You need one state to understand the other state. If that was all you ever experienced, you would never know it as wholeness, right? It wouldn't make even sense to Mm -hmm. speak of it as wholeness Mm -hmm, because you never had separation. So you... It. This comes back to, yes, we need the answer from duality to know wholeness. How can you live in separation, honoring it in a way as the ground, as the, the condition for which you can know wholeness and not as a state to be rejected, right? Because, you know, uh, there's how beautiful is it to inhabit the world and know that it is this very illusory creation of our minds that we experience and we can come to know and touch it if we're ever so like lucky and fortunate to have those moments of grace where you're like, I've t- felt reality. And then to come back and live in this space knowing that it is inseparable. So including all the parts and the people that don't realize that there is something else. And so that is, if we go back to your question of kind of the goal, is can you live in separation with equal love and wonder when you're not in the moments of complete unity?
0: Going back to the idea of the dream, I guess, The way I see it, it's like almost having this lucid dream. I'm awakened in the dream, so I know it is a dream. So nothing scares me. Even if a nightmare (laughs) comes to be, then I become aware of a nightmare. Then it's also immediately erased or perhaps still felt, for sure felt. But at the same time, there's this deeper understanding. There's this presence of that light that... That knows that's just um, it's just a nightmare. It's just passing. It's just um, the dream. It's the dream within a dream. So it's, there's nothing to be scared of. That might be the most challenging part of of all this to really own because we tend to, like in my case, not to push away but feel everything. So I feel it anyway, <laughs> and it seems like I'm in a nightmare for a moment. And then, oh my God, it's lasting too long, three days away, and I still have this, the, the holding on to the feelings and uh, the play. So that is kind of, uh, it has become fun now, which is interesting to see. It's almost like, uh, yeah, I became playful with the whole thing, which is sometimes I got to be careful around people, uh, my family members who, yeah, don't understand these things because I ended up laughing or taking it too light mm. when something happens that's serious to them.
2: Yes, yeah. There, there is so much that you said there that I want to touch on uh, because it's such a beautiful set of insights. And let's start with it. Yes, it's this. This we'll call it a dream. Where it's like lucid, uh, we're experiencing this, and yeah. others, others we have to remember will continue to experience this when we've moved on from our bodies, and and in that you know there's there are risks of constantly chasing the states of of unity and bliss uh, as a, in a sort of addictive thing, or the other way of sort of oh forgetting. And when we have a nightmare or when we come back and we have really strong emotions and we've fallen into separation and we're suddenly experiencing anxiety or anger or whatever it is, and to not suppress those, to hold on to a, a state, an identity, a sense of like, oh, I've reached this state, so I shouldn't be feeling this. You know, a message I got one point very early on is, you know, s- strong emotions those negative emotions are not necessarily a sign of – they're not a sign of spiritual failure. They're not a sign that you – have it's how you relate to the experience of them in the moment that is, you know, the test. So you may be experiencing stuff because you've picked it up for somebody else. You may have something else that still needs – resolution and healing that you you know an older mental pattern you may be doing something with a past life the experience of it in the moment isn't necessarily a sign of you're not being spiritual enough it's i have to remember i have to come back and i meet this experience and at times with other people who are at different states and we can sometimes fall into i've worked with a lot of people who have fallen into the sense of you know other people are kind of manifestations of my imagination you know like if this is a dream then these are all just kind of in my mind and you have to hold on to the fact that they're still their own universes with their autonomous free wills and their spiritual path and their soul and you're experiencing both like right? your perception of them is your perception, but they are a world that is also for whom you are. Like, mm-hmm. you, you are a part mm-hmm. of their dream, right, right, right. And so yeah. when you described, oh, I have to remember about my family members. Yeah, sometimes you have to remember, even though I can look at this and go, "Why are you worried? This there's all there's. This is nothing to be worried about." There was a moment in my life where if somebody said that to me. I would not it would not have resonated, right? I had not I had not done enough work to hear that. And I needed somebody to meet me where I was at in that moment.
0: When you say being where we are with the emotions and still feeling the strong emotion of anger, resentment, unforgiveness, whatever it is, that's the divine going through that experience. Perhaps because it hasn't has is not finished with it yet. He <laughs> has experienced the full spectrum of that, of those emotions, of that experience. That's the the only um it's not even an explanation, it's just um that would make sense, because if I am the divine, you are the divine, everybody is, then we are all being what we are. We can't really be different, (laughs) but just experience and be what we are in this moment. There's no other option. I know there's um, the idea of uh, pushing away emotions and embracing them, but either way is the divine doing it. And this is what caught my attention um, very much from the perspective, the human perspective, um, without the broad, pure awareness view, the chapter one, um, your book again, titled Endless Awakening Time Paradox and the Path to Enlightenment. The chapter is, I made a note here, way too many notes, emotions. Your pain is a portal. So that's the title of the chapter. And then that first chapter is all about emotions and accepting emotions, embracing them. And then you talk about resistance, fear, anger, negative emotions, and even how it can become a meditation even, embracing being open to our own emotions. That all resonated very much with me. It's that the idea of accepting, being open to at it all. It's just, that's it. <laughs> if there is something called truth, then to me, that's it, being open to it all.
2: Exactly. And that's why I definitely started the book with emotions. And what I wanted to say in response to both your, your comment about emotions and your comment about the divine experiencing us is um, a couple things. It was all really quite beautiful and very lucid. I definitely share your view that the divine is sort of experiencing what we're experiencing. This is it's witnessing it all, and when we're truly surrendered and letting the divine, our souls, life move through us, it's carrying us to the experiences that it wants to have. And in a way, you know, some of those experiences are just meeting all the experiences in the past where we fell out into separation and we acted in ways that were inconsistent and didn't understand that we were the divine in form. I've had a a couple experiences that really reiterated that. One was a very deep healing experience that I had in Kauai, the island of Hawaii, where I was working with a a particular healer and we were doing some work and I really experienced what feels like or what often sounds like when people describe sort of like the moment of death where you see like your life flashing before your eyes very quickly. I saw everything in a very short amount of time. And the overwhelming feeling was its utter perfection, utter perfection. Everything was just exactly what it was supposed to be. And that's not easy because we do tend to look back at our lives, right? And there's these moments of like, oh, I made this mistake, oh, I did this, I did this other thing, oh, look at this. And that was a moment of, uh, no, our lives really are perfect. And at the same time, we are carrying around all of these emotions where we we do fall into or fall out of love, right? We fall out of love with the moment-to-moment experience of our lives, And as somebody who has his own history, but also very much had a very, very strong mind and ego that was very rational, emotions were the place that I struggled the most. And that's why I started with that, because it really is, if you're thinking about, is the divine expressing itself through me right now? What am I feeling? How do I feel right now? Is there a little resistance? Is there a little anger? Because is, is you know from those moments when it's been perfect love, bliss, there's a state where, like, a complete acceptance, not changing anything, not doing anything, nothing. There's perfection here. And so we have to work, there is work involved in kind of meeting our emotions and meeting those parts of ourselves that, that if, to go back to a sort of before and after, before we woke up and learned what we learned, whether it was introduction to a certain philosophy, a near-death experience, something else, that we realized, oh, you know, there are so many parts of, so many years of my life, so many versions of Patrick that, yeah. that didn't understand that yeah. and didn't know that, that, still need to be resolved. Something you
0: said at the end of the book you said, This work is ultimately not about me, but about you. It is only when I gave up the search for myself that I ended up finding myself after all. And that, when I, you said more before that, even that resonated too deeply. About it's almost like if I could translate this, would be everything that is happening now. Everything that I'm expressing and being in this moment is it's interconnected with everything else. So there's a reason that I can't comprehend for doing what I do, for saying the things I say, for doing the work I do of healing, spirituality, all this. There's a reason that's not rational. So in my case, trust. I just trust whatever it is, exactly the way it is. Even when the emotions, they don't seem to be, they seem to be out of balance. And then there is the, uh, the fear and the rejection of some of behaviors of other people around me, especially my family member. That's interesting how the closer it is, <laughs> the harder it is. And then the harder it is accepting that that's okay to feel the way we feel because there's it's not about us so something in them is being activated by the way we are reacting or responding emotionally so i learned to just let everything be exactly the way it is it hasn't been easy for the uh, for the conditioned mind and body but that's the practice <laughs> just to let the conditioned body and mind, somehow penetrate, let that light penetrate the conditioned mind and body so they can come in harmony with that truth, that that's okay to be conditioned (laughs) from that point of view. But it's interesting when I, because I do not accept the idea of time And space, from that perspective, the awareness perspective is just cannot embrace. It just doesn't make sense. But then from the human perspective, conditioned, if I go there, then it makes sense. Yes, of course. So what an interesting dance, right, Patrick?
2: It's wonderful because, yes, you know, on a certain level, there is no time or time, past, present and future exist simultaneously. And that there is no time. We could talk about that from the perspective of physics. We could talk about a perspective of spirituality and the soul and the soul being timeless. And yet, when we do talk about our souls, we often talk about past lives. So we're already reintroducing a notion of time. You know, So we, we, we kind of, in a way, play with all of these and then we construct our lives constantly around time mm, I mean, it's yes. all the time no, not <laughs> intended oh, you, know? No. you know when people i i li, I, I, uh-huh. I it was very funny to me but i remember mm. coming across somebody offering a workshop they're like Escape time. There is no time. (laughs) The workshop is on this date (laughs) at this time.
1: (laughs) At this time. Meet me (laughs) at two.
2: With no like I wanted them to at least acknowledge the, (laughs) the, the paradox there. Which is, you know. A lot of people talk about falling out of time. There is no time. And then meditation is set for 5 a.m. You know, like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we have to live yes. in, in, bo- in both of those, which is so then when it comes to our emotions. Right. Yes. Um, you mentioned two things. One, which is sort of me finding myself by letting go of myself, which is, you know, sort of me finding myself kind of not this kind of core oh this is Patrick he's these characteristics this identity and fixed like I've unraveled the onion or the layers and here at the center I can find this core that is fixed and I never have to keep searching or Patrick is the experience Of moment to moment of interacting with all sorts of other people who are also lucidly dreaming or spirit having a material experience it could not have except in material in the material world and so if i'm that experience that i'm the experience of all of these sort of interactions from moment to moment and in that sense then all of Each of us is kind of constantly co-creating each other and creating emotions. We have an experience. And as you said, there's this conditioned mind that we work with to sort of say, oh, this person is, we're having a a conflict, right? Because so much of human experience has to do with us coming together in time like we're all, we're kind of our own separate dimensions of time until we intersect. We kind of agree when we're apart from each other, we're living at our own little timeline. So our timelines intersect and then we're navigating our thoughts and beliefs and a lot of it's emotions. right? So much of human history is about emotion and how we're responding. And so you have, as you said, The reaction of what's going on with them is them. And I've also learned to be able to hold the light on myself and say, well, what have I been saying and doing? And if what have I been saying and doing isn't necessarily about blaming myself, but also about saying, I'm, I'm co creating here. They say something to me. I say something. Am I responding in a way? that is running an old pattern, even if it feels like, you know, as somebody who has an understanding, so I can, as you kind of mentioned, I can be very calm about certain things. Maybe that's not what that person needs. Maybe for somebody else, that's something, they need something else. But maybe there's a pattern that I haven't learned to be as skillful at. So, I have definitely learned in relationships where my strength is kind of to be present and some might say stoic or some might say calm. I've learned to be more expressive and more loving because maybe that's what that was needed in that moment for that person and to recognize that. The way I'm being, it's not so much a cause, it's recognizing that there are all these possible permutations for for connecting with somebody. And we all can kind of fall into patterns that just close us off from being a different way. So to be very specific, I've learned with my husband to respond in ways that are not about, you know, He's having his experience. I'm going to let him have his experience. And I can, you know, and, and, and be a sort of a neutral person. I've learned, oh, sometimes this situation calls for a different kind of loving response. And recognizing that it's not an inferior response, it's not a less spiritual response, These are the tricky parts of our human interactions, right, of figuring out we can definitely sometimes, you know, respond in a way that feels spiritually valid, but maybe isn't what is actually needed in that moment.
0: I love that. So spiritually valid in the sense of the again, constructed those ideas of what spirituality is
2: and how to behave spiritually. that's that's just it is that then then you come back and you're like okay all of this construct how beautiful is that we've constructed that how amazing that we can construct it <laughs> yes. and at the end it's sort of like <laughs> yes. it's all this something that you said early on and maybe it was off maybe it was it was in our offline chat just of just there's a, a kind of joyousness of life there's there's like a reverence for all of it is sort of being magical from moment to moment and 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 that to me then is this sort of trust of well it's all divine so you know even if the moment that i forget and I'm having a really Bye. bad day and a bunch of stuff has Bye. happened, Bye. you know, and you're dealing with stuff that you're like, this can't possibly be the divine. <laughs> I'm dealing with, you know, <laughs> you know, this financial situation, or there's a leak upstairs, or, you know, what's happening here, you know, these things that happen in our lives. And we kind of go, well, that can't be, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what did I do to deserve this life? And there's, if you can, you know, each of those is just a moment to sort of remember, mm, yeah, <laughs> even if it doesn't feel like it,
0: I don't know if you heard about the story of I think it's a it's a Buddhist. Uh, it might be a Buddhist or I'm not sure if it's a vedanta story about God that just became kind of lonely and and wanted to play with itself. And mm-hmm. they created all this. <laughs> uh, you just kind of multiplied itself. And it's, oh, now I can play with everything. And then, God was so good at, you know, very competent at what he or she did, then that it forgot that it was God Mm. by becoming the many. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see, all these parts of God that have forgotten its own nature, its own essence. Yes. It feels, very much feels that way. Every time I look at somebody, my own husband, when he gets angry, and I'm like, oh, interesting. The divine's getting angry. God's getting angry. He forgot that it can go back to peacefulness. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. And it's something that comes to me in the moment too. It's kind of interesting to see. It's not something that I I, I can kind of think or plan to be that way in the moment. It just kind of arises this playfulness and this spontaneous kind of energy of playing with whatever's happening. And sometimes it comes across like not taking it too seriously. Whatever it is. Even the idea of death, a lot of people are so afraid of death. Even to talk mm. about death is a problem. And I love talking about all that. It's that sense of freedom. Why not? Let's talk about everything. Or just... It seems like that this part here doesn't have to ex- experience certain things anymore. Perhaps because he already did. So it's interesting to see that sometimes we judge from the human perspective what others are doing, you know, all the, the crimes and all that, the violence... But we don't uh, stop to reflect that perhaps we have had enough. <clears throat> we have experienced enough violence ourselves, perhaps in past lives, as you said, uh, without accepting the idea of time. <laughs> but just as this continuation of awareness, being just being aware of everything uh, at the same time here now, that we forget too. Perhaps we are not experienced that violence become. We are not criminal in this time because we are. Or ode- now because we have done it already. We have experienced mm-hmm. that already. So I really see it that way, Patrick. I don't know if that makes sense. Perhaps to you it will make sense. That'll be wonderful. It's a lot of people that I talk to, but for most of us, we still have a lot to catch up when it comes to that.
2: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, uh, it, one of the ways that I try to remember, you know, is. You know, when judgments arise of like, why are people behaving that way? Why do people do that? Is that, you know, people are still asleep. They haven't woken up. They don't realize that they, you know, the experience that you had. And I was once that way. I'm not somebody who, you know, came into this world awake and full of understanding and then was like, why is everyone this way? And just, you know, th- this was an experience. I had to, I had to clean up a lot of my own karma. From that time, and so I try to remember that. it's a, a sense of humility. There would definitely be somebody yeah. who could have looked at me and been like shaking their head. You know? <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> well, and I yes. imagine at the same time, you yeah. know there's just, you know, the divine is like expressing itself of a watching, and there's like, "Oh, there's Patrick. That's not it. He doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> and there he is now. He's had lots of experiences. Oh, and there he is. He's had a little judgment. And now he's remembering to be humble again. (laughs) Now he's remembering why. And that, like, you know, these experiences, you know, take violence in the world, which, you know, comes from a deep sense of, you know, deprivation, a deep sense of powerlessness, deep, deep sense of of self-loathing, all of these things that lead you to act out where you don't feel you can't trust life, you don't have enough, you're suffering from serious deprivation, you've experienced all sorts of trauma, those experiences are as painful as they are and as awful as they can be for the people whose lives are are impacted. I I have to hold on to the perspective that it is all ultimately the divine. So they're going through this to either deal with something karmically or these are the conditions that will give rise to somebody's awakening, I can't judge it even if I can say there is a different way to be in the world and that there are things that other people could have done that they didn't happen. Just the same way I looked at my life and I saw it was perfection in that moment When I look at my life from a conscious, like, conditioned mind perspective, I can look back at my life and, like, well, why did I make that decision and why did I do this? And you know, if I'd done this differently, oh, and I wasn't particularly nice there. And both are true, right? That's the going back to the, the dual perspective of paradox. Yes, I could have made different choices. I had infinite choices to make, and the ones that I made were absolutely perfect. For whatever the divine needed to have you know experience and for others to experience so that they could ultimately come back to this truth of knowing yourself as the expression of the divine. Your
0: book, It's Endless Awakening, Time Paradox and the Path to Enlightenment, is a beautiful book. And reading, the book I made so many notes because I read almost like each line has uh, this very wise message. So so many beautiful and wise messages that it's almost you can spend your lifetime kind of um, unpacking every phrase and it kind mm-hmm. of um, hmm, it's almost tasting it and contemplating those truths. So thank you for for doing that for giving yourself to life to write to. Ah, bring this to life, to this reality. It's truly beautiful. I want to thank you for that and also ask you this question. What was the main intention to write this book?
2: Well, thank you so much for your incredibly generous words. I really do appreciate it. And its I, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I think you're just such a wonderful conversationalist. I feel like that. Speaking uh-huh. of time, i has been <laughs> yes, in the blink of an right. eye. Just, <laughs> um, but To answer your question, what was my intention? It, there were a few impulses behind it. You know, the first is that I had previously published a series of works that I deeply cherish but recognize are very dense. Um, they were channeled works. They were not works I had intended to write, and they were very powerful for me as an experience, but can be um, a particular kind of experience for the reader. And so i I really wanted to find a different voice, a voice that just felt much more me, ironically, and you know, we're talking about that there's really no me. It wasn't the lawyer Patrick, somebody that you know had a particular kind of style. And it was geared to the spiritual seeker, the person on the path who has been on the path for a while and still kind of has these questions like, when am I going to get there? Why am I still dealing with this relationship with my mother, my father, this pattern, those people who I, I encounter and I work with a lot and, and, part of it is there's we do tend to fall back there's this part of us like when am i gonna stop being this and part of the answer to that question is is ironically accepting that that Mm. may never be Mm. you know like Mm. that may never be And, and and when it when you truly accept it then that kind of lays the groundwork for not being that you know that so it was what I saw was a series of, of ways that people would talk about spiritual wisdom that still put us on the, the timeline of before and after, the trajectory. I wanted this wisdom to come through that really helped you to see that, you know, everything that you're experiencing is really perfect just as it is.
0: It's ironic once you accept the unacceptable, then everything changes. And it's beautiful. And you have, this is one, your latest book, you have written other books too. I love the titles. When Thought Turns to Light, Seeds of Light, Bending Time, A World Without Identity. I love that one too. (laughs) That really caught my attention. So you have written many books. And you also, I wanted to mention that you are an intuitive guide and spiritual coach you offer psychic readings on your website, and you also have a course, a, Your Intuition is Your Superpower, four-week course on inner guidance. So these are the offerings on your website, beautifully designed, too. I love how simple it is.
2: Thank you. <laughs> it's,
0: it's beautiful. <laughs> just to stay there, if it feels good. <laughs> it puts you in this uh, meditative state. So much that you have written here that caught my attention. To accept your emotions, you first need to repair your understanding of them. And then you say, the problem is not that we experience painful emotions. It is that we don't know how to be with painful emotions. So true. And then but there's so much wisdom about emotions, resisting them. What happens when we do that? And then you you talk about wholeness. That really stopped me too. We are already whole. And then you have a whole section on that. And I love how when you talk about your great-grandmother and the unconditional love that you felt from her. The way you speak just kind of... uh, caught my attention in a feeling way. It's almost like I was feeling Mm. it, although I never had that kind of love, I believe, from a human being. My husband perhaps now, but not anybody else before. That stopped me for a moment. And then you say, when we hold our former wounded selves in the same way as these people have held us, uh, such as your great-grandmother, we practice unconditional love for ourselves. And that is so true. So, Patrick, before we say goodbye for today, I would love to say, um, well, I'd love to give you the space to add anything that you left unsaid.
2: I can give you two answers. One, I feel complete. I loved our conversation. But I'll also share with you that there, uh, I was thinking about a line towards the end of the book that I omitted because I just didn't feel like It quite followed, and I didn't want it to be a stumbling block for the reader, but there was a line at the end of the book where I was saying, you're talking about finding myself by giving up the search for myself. And it went something like this. In the end, I don't exist, and neither do you. And yet here we both are. Isn't that paradox beautiful? You know, holding on to the idea that I don't exist, as I think I do, and neither do you. Like, I'm living this lucid dream, and you're living a lucid dream. And yet, here we both are in each other's, dr- in each other's <laughs> yes. dreams. Right, meeting in the dream. Yeah. Right. Wow, so, holding on to the idea of we're both just being dreamed by the other. So, how can you live from that place? of I'm in your dream and you're in mine. Ah, I love that. Uh,
0: And I remember hearing this about 15 years ago when a spiritual teacher said that to me. You don't exist, don't you know? And I was not ready to hear that. So that was a nightmare, instant nightmare. I don't exist. (laughs) What do you mean by that? I'm here. Look, Look at me. That's a a beautiful i mean for me it's just like meditation it's uh ah, that's the divine speaking of course and that's so beautiful now but i know that for some of us it's, it might not make sense because they you know they touch the body they they experience themselves as the body mind and that's because they're looking from the outside And they are not really coming from the divine self, which watches everything. So the body would not exist if you're not, if you was not for the divine. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much again for your presence here today, for our conversation and everything that you offer. It's just um, divine. It's the divine speaking. So thank you. And before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your books, services and future projects?
2: The easiest thing is to actually go to um, www.endlessawakening.com. It will take you to my website, but it's easier to remember. Endlessawakening.com.
0: I'll have that one there. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. All right.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Patrick Paul Garlinger and his work, please visit